This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Hip, hip, hooray, let's give a cheer. It's 9 a.m., the signal's clear. Our favorite host is in the chair. The Truman Show is on the air. It's The Truman Show with Truman Jones. A look at the politics, news, sports, and people that are shaping Rutherford County. The Truman Show is on the air. The Truman Show is on the air. Now from Adams Place on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. Here's Truman Jones. Good morning, Rutherford County. I have two of my really good buddies, Ronnie Martin. He's on today, and uh, you brought Jan with you, or she brought you. I guess she's the one that the most important person. Yeah, she's the most important. I have to keep him on track. Tell him where to be, when, what to do. Jan Stewart, you you haven't changed a bit in (laughs) 30 years. You really haven't. (laughs) You still look I try the same. to stay consistent. You do stay consistent. <laughs> We're all lucky to have you. Um, there's a lot going on, Ronnie. Uh, <laughs> those that don't know, and, and you've probably been in a cave somewhere, uh, Ronnie is a, one of our city councilmen and also vice president of Pinnacle Bank. And uh, both of those are very responsible positions. But the way things are changing right now, Ronnie, it seems like... Any type of political position is uh, gone above and beyond what most people think they will be. There are so many responsibilities, and in this area, there are so many changes going on. Absolutely. It's just one right after another. And uh, I know that one of the places, the area that has really become very popular, and uh, uh, maybe you're having to deal with many things that most people wouldn't even think about is the safety of the airways mm-hmm. and the the ability to take care of an enormous growth like we have at the Murfreesboro Airport mm-hmm. and dealing with the university and I know that they a good friend of mine w- was uh, uh, just appointed a position over there that's right a few weeks ago and I can say both sides are very lucky to have him, and that's Larry Williams. He's he's the safety director over at uh, MTSU. Over 800 new pilots are flying in the air over there. It seems like that's that's one of the positions a lot of people are looking at, either for employment or just for uh, the fun of it. And, right. and uh, how in the world? Are we able to stay ahead of everything there? You know, one, I think um, MTSU and the city of Murfreesboro is very lucky to have Larry Williams in that safety director role. Um, Obviously, Larry is um, extremely experienced, um, so he brings a tremendous amount of value to that role. But for anybody that knows Larry, I met Larry the first time on your show um, several months ago, mm-hmm. and uh, you know he's he's got such a great disposition. Um, he's very friendly. Uh, he's easy to talk to, and I think as MTSU and the city of Murfreesboro kind of work through our growing pains associated with the success that the university is having and the success you know that the city of Murfreesboro is having as we manage that limited resource. Yeah. Larry will be a great person to be in the mix um, because those are tough conversations, and as you well know, um, people, uh, all of us, uh, have strengths and weaknesses, and I think sometimes um, we we argue about things that are less important uh, rather than focusing on what's really important, and that is, one, keeping safety as a priority. You know, nobody would argue that that's important, but two, you know, not forgetting uh, and allowing ourselves to forget that 
MTSU and the city of Murfreesboro, um, they feed off of each other. Uh, we, we benefit when one benefits, the other one benefits. And, you know, there are times where we have competing interests. And I think, you know, in this, um, in this instance with the airport, there are some competing interests. But uh, we can't lose sight of the fact that we're better together. Um, and, and part of what has helped us grow in such a successful way is how well we've worked together. So, I mean, that's really important. But Truman, to manage that issue, I think that, um, you know, we as a city realize that, um, you know, we're boxed in from the standpoint of the capacity of what the airport uh, can handle. You know, yeah. we, we don't have the option to um, add multiple runways and uh, we're, we're landlocked, so to speak. And so, you know, as MTSU continues to grow, it's going to put pressure uh, on the university to try to figure out how to accommodate, you know, the success of those programs. And I think they're working on that. I think, um, I think Larry is going to, again, be a, a great asset to that. But I think where the city can really help is, um, you know, to, to publicly, you know, acknowledge that, um, we have, that is a, um, a city-wide asset. It's not just a university airport. Yeah. And so as we have economic opportunities within the city uh, to have corporate headquarters here to continue to grow and have commercial traffic, you know, we've got to make sure that we're carving out and preserving a certain amount of that asset um, for the primary purpose of that, which is to serve, you know, the city of Murfreesboro. Mm -hmm. Um, but again, we just can't lose or forget our partners and the folks that have been there with us. And MTSU, you know, I would say has been supporting that uh, airport for as long as I can remember, 20, 30 years, probably longer than that. Um, I think there was an airport on MTSU's campus originally. Um, but as the city has grown, um, you know, they're just increasing demand. So I think good partnership. Good leadership, uh, a cooperative spirit is what we need, um, and, and hopefully those that are in a position to do that will, will do that. If you're not able to expand with the growth that's going on right now, especially when you're dealing with the airport, I was talking to Larry, uh, and uh, he said one of the things that obviously they're doing now, they're doing a, a lot of the flights of course would take off for here mm -hmm. but then they would go outside in the rural community and right. do a lot of their uh, the steps that, that they're required to, to take as far as the training right uh, the, the landing and all that stuff and uh, he said that is a big help right now absolutely but working together uh, it seems like a, a lot of pressure is put on the airport as far as how in the world are they going to grow and be able to take in uh, all of the uh, traffic that's coming in and out of there. That's going to be a, a major problem, but you still want to retain that partnership with the university that has really helped you grow. Well, I, I think the most recent numbers I have heard, if these are correct, Truman, uh, MTSU is about 60% of our airport traffic today. Yeah. So imagine losing 60% of your traffic of anything. Yeah. Uh, if you're a business revenue or if you're a retail shop uh, customer, 60% of your customers walking in. Um, I, I think for the listeners, and, and uh, full disclosure, I'm not a pilot, nor am I anywhere close to an aviation expert. Um, I, I listen and pay attention and read and study and try to do what I can to um, help problem solve, um, you know, in, to the regard that citizens have put me in a position to do that. But uh, part of the challenge of managing this resource is uh, pilots have uh, not only hours of time they have to clock for certification and training, mm -hmm. but they also have takeoff and landings as a part of that. Yeah. So if you conceptually can kind of visualize, um, you know, let, let's say 800, if that's the number, 800 students trying to figure out how to take off and land as many times as they can, mm -hmm. you know, at an airport that is a, you know, general aviation airport that's supposed to um, accommodate, um, you know, traditional, uh, regular passenger uh, traffic, uh, private pilot 
you know, traffic, commercial traffic, those types of things, um, the term beehive is, is often used. And I think I heard, the first time I heard that was probably from Larry. Yeah. And that is, if you could again visualize that, imagine a beehive with bees just swarming around the hive. And so what will happen is uh, a lot of the pro-pilot training MTSU students will take off and then buzz around in a very close proximity around the airport and then land and then repeat, if yeah. you will. And so, you know, if one person's doing that, you know, that's not a big deal. If 10 are doing it, you can imagine the complications. Or if 20 are doing it, you, you know, it turns into this beehive above yeah. the city. And so, you know, you, you then, you're then faced with the challenges of noise. Uh, most of the um, surrounding contiguous property to the airport um, is residential. So, I mean, you get some concerns there, and, and those are legitimate. And so, you know, we've, we've tried to... Um, ask that the university kind of narrow that window of, of when some of those training sessions are happening which i think most people would agree that's reasonable mm -hmm. um but you know we can't forget this is a, a city and there's a certain amount of commercial traffic whether it be on the ground or in the air or construction that's just going to be going on in the city there's going to be that noise pollution so to speak inside of a city environment that you might not have like where you live and so we got to do the best we can to be reasonable and accommodate that. And my hope is MTSU will still, uh, because it's a, a university based in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, mm -hmm. that the hub of what MTSU does operationally will remain at the Murfreesboro Airport. And we will find a way to spread the load associated with the pilot training. and. You know, some of the other municipal airports that are in close proximity, you know, Shelbyville, McMinnville, Tullahoma, uh, other places, maybe even Smyrna. And I think the challenge is, and this is an operational issue with all the airports, you know, the primary way that I'm aware of that airports have a way to create revenue is fuel sales, selling jet fuel, gasoline, um, and renting hangar space or tie-down, so where you park your airplane, so to speak. And MTSU has a lot of planes parked uh, at the Murfreesboro Airport. As we um, encourage them to expand their horizons, there's going to be an opportunity for other airports to potentially collect those revenues from the tie-downs uh, or the hangar space and to sell MTSU fuel um, in order to help offset some of that pattern traffic, which is the constant take off land, take off land as they work through their pro, pro pilot program. So, you know, I, the message that I do not want to be lost is what a great partner the university is to the city. And, and uh, you know, I, I have the expectation that the city will continue to be a great partner to MTSU while acknowledging and preserving the fact that, you know, the Murfreesboro Airport's a municipal airport. It's not a university airport. And I, I don't think there's, I don't think anybody is confused about that. Uh, we just have to make sure in practice that we're all trying to be cooperative and supportive of what we're doing. You really haven't had time for Larry to be there yet. I, I've talked to him a couple of times since, even before that they uh, uh, named him the safety director. Right. And he has so much knowledge that uh, we're going to, um, we need to pick his brain for a pretty good while and let him kind of be the leader in what directions we need to go. We have a caller on the line. Caller, welcome aboard with Ronnie Martin and Jan Stewart. Good morning. Good morning. Yes, who this is? Hey, Casey. You know, I'm going to say something I think. I ain't, I'm not going to say Yes, I am. Hey, <laughs> you can clog some airplanes in my guitar case. Let me tell you all something. Let me ask you all. Now, I i got some friends and relatives live in a town called Smyrna, Tennessee. Yes, sir. Now, I'm from Smyrna. Uh, they got a uh, basketball court. They got a golf course down there at a place called Stewart, Seward Air Force Base. Uh, and I, can you all park the airplanes over there? You know, that's a great question. Um, I, I don't know that I'm. <laughs> you are good. <laughs> Need to call John Black. Yeah. I, I think the thing... I love WGNS. Yeah. <laughs> I'm listening. You all have a good day. <laughs> you too, Casey. All right. Bye-bye. Uh, Actually, uh, is John Black in, in the conversation? I don't know the answer to that. I, I'm not directly involved in yeah. the conversation, yeah. so I just don't know. 
Um, I would tell you that um, based on what I know, I think there are some limitations to what Smyrna can do at that airport because yeah. of the Nashville airport and my understanding of um, how traffic patterns work and the distance of traffic patterns uh, mm -hmm. coming out of Nashville. So um, I, I think to go back to this beehive uh, visualization, mm -hmm. I think the reality is there's probably not a municipal airport that wants to be a beehive, if you will. Yeah. Um, if you can believe this, and um, you know, if Larry's listening, he can call in and verify this because I, I don't want to be saying something that's not accurate. But I believe, based on some of the data that I have seen from the consultants that have been working on this, Murfreesboro, because of that takeoff landing um, type learning environment that the MTSU students have, I think we have more um, traffic pattern than Nashville, if you can imagine. Wow. So it's hard for people to believe that, that the Murfreesboro Airport has that many takeoff and landings, um, but it's that touch-and-go environment that creates that. So to go back to the caller's question, um, I don't know that any municipal airport wants to invite the beehive, mm -hmm. would be my guess, but I think what's, what all of the local airports would recognize is the value of the university, not only to Murfreesboro, but in Rutherford County if you will, yeah, uh, and to surrounding counties um, because there are a lot of people from those places where there are airports that drive to MTSU to get an education. And so I think if we spread the load, um, whether it be, you know, five at each airport or ten at each airport, I think it becomes a much more manageable uh, situation. However, I'm only speaking from the limited information I have. I don't know what burden that might create the, you know, for the university. I'm sure there is one from a management standpoint. But I do think it would be kind of cool for, you know, if you're a, a Smyrna student or a Shelbyville student or a McMinnville student in the, or a Telehome student in the pro pilot program and, and you know, you're, you're attending the university and getting hours, it would be pretty cool to be able to go to your local airport, grab an MTSU plan and, and, and log those hours. I think the way that it is being set up that Larry, the, being the safety director, will be there as a, an information guide mm -hmm. for both the, the city and the campus. Right. And I'm, and I'm hopeful that that's going to be the direction that when we are looking for the future of both safety and um, you want to have a, an an economic plus right. as far as on both sides, I'm sure. But safety is probably the number one factor when you're, when you're dealing with something that uh, has so many people being um, uh, wanting to take to the airways and, and become professional pilots and all of those type things. Murfreesboro has been one of the main uh, areas that people will um, actually, it's like a magnet for people who want to go to air school. They right. will come here. Well, and, 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 and it makes it even more important when you've got um, uh, you guys are kind of bo like you said earlier. You're boxed in, and there's very little opportunity to grow right now. Well, one thing that I think MTSU deserves a lot of credit for is um, when you think about. Um, when you've heard in the news, hey, there was a plane that went down in, in Murfreesboro yeah. that had to land, emergency landing, whatever else. Um, I'm not aware of those being MTSU planes. And so when you think about, again, that, that beehive-type scenario, yeah. um, the fact that we have not had uh, accidents and you know, mid-air-type accidents, I mean, we don't have a tower directing traffic in Murfreesboro. It's a, it's a general aviation airport where people communicate you know, um, with, with devices and electronics, and uh, they coordinate landings. So it's mm -hmm. a partnership that pilots have um, you know, in the sky where they're um, emphasizing safety and, and those types of things. But it takes a lot of coordination amongst the individuals flying the plane. And when you think about the safety record that we have had um, in Murfreesboro, you know, that says a lot about what MTSU is doing, but what we know is the more planes you add, the more likely there is the potential for there to be a challenge, and that's where I think someone like Larry Williams with the expertise he has can say, hey, look, this is a great, this is a win-win for everybody, <clears throat> but 
we do have to acknowledge the limitations of the resource and make sure that we don't compromise safety in the process. It's going to be right now, as long as everybody tries to follow the same page. Right. I think it will work out. Uh, I really do. And uh, it seems MTSU is, is kind of uh, started the engine, you might say, toward that uh, end with hiring Larry because right. Larry is, is to me, is one of the most uh, uh, knowledgeable person that I've ever met as far as dealing with these type of situations. He's worked so many accidents, even right here, mm -hmm. and when he puts those accidents, the cause of those accidents back together like a puzzle. Right. I've never seen anybody better. And he he has got all that experience knowing what is going to be a safety issue and what's not going to be a safety issue. Right. So um, I, th I think that uh, it's going to be okay. I really do. As long as everybody does it with the right reasons. No, that's right. And, and look, t two things in my mind should be said here, and I think, and these are just facts in, in my view. And, yeah. uh, you know, the university may not agree with this. Um, our, our mayor and city manager may not agree with this on both sides. Yeah. But as somebody who, you know, has a lot of love for, for the, our local university and is an elected official uh, and loves our city, um, you know, I think MTSU was probably uh, could have done a better job in planning from a resource standpoint. Uh, you know, the city doesn't necessarily see the enrollment numbers and is not necessarily in a position to manage the growth of the aerospace program. That's that's Dr. McPhee's responsibility. That's the university's responsibility. But, you know, as any good manager, as you see <clears throat> the growth of something get to a point where there are potential issues for capacity, you know, you got to be planning for that. So I think, you know, MTSU um, has had such success that maybe they couldn't get ahead of that fast enough. Um, and so that, that's challenging for the university. So it's become a challenge for, for the city. Well, the other thing is, um, you know, from my perspective, um, I don't recall any of these conversations prior to the new airport facility being built. So when we had that 50-year-old facility that was there, and it probably was not attracting the type of commercial opportunities that it might be attracting today, you know, we were glad to have the university traffic. So you've got those two issues working against each other. You've got MTSU probably not being ahead of some of the anticipation of the growth need that they were going to have from a capacity standpoint. And then you've got the city on the other hand, uh, and again, this is just Ronnie Martin's view, where we said, hey, now we've got um, this show place of, a, of an airport where, you know, there might be great commercial opportunities for other businesses to come in and utilize this. But if we've got the beehive with all the university here, it's going to be hard to attract them here because my understanding is a lot of commercial pilots prefer not to fly in to Murfreesboro because they're flying into this swarm of traffic. So, again, really, really important that we figure out a solution that works for everyone in that. Would the economic value of having more commercial flights come in here, would, would it ever override the partnership with MTSU? That, and, and with them searching right now, um, is, is that a problem right now? You know, I, I think very clearly that is a council discussion. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we have lots of, uh, of conversation about what's the city manager's role in government and what is the city council's role in government. Mm -hmm. And what you consistently hear is the city manager's job is to run the city day to day. Um, it's the council's job to set the vision. So I don't think it's the city manager's job to decide how we best use that resource. I think it's the city manager's job to manage that resource. I think it's the city council's job to decide what resources, what we do with the resources in our community. And, you know, for, for Ronnie Martin's vote on the city council, um, there's, there's no part of um, MTSU not being a substantial part of our airport that 
I think is good for Murphy, not being a, a substantial part of our airport that I think is not good for Murfreesboro. So that may be confusing. I'm very supportive of MTSU remaining at the airport. Yeah. But I would also very quickly acknowledge that, you know, as that program continues to grow, even where it is now, we just can't sustain that level of traffic and carve out economic space for our opportunity to grow the airport with commercial traffic because we do want that. And so, but you can't just, you know, push MTSU aside and push them out and say, you know, you're not being safe and, you know, we got a new airport and so we want X, Y, and Z here instead of MTSU students. It, in my opinion, it just shouldn't be done that way. Who does the investigation for the city in which direction they want to go on those things? I, I know the, the city council has the last say so right but who's bringing all that information for you guys to discuss and and find out what is the best solution for it so i think you know one of the things you would do um we would look to chad gerke who's the director of the airport uh, you know he's an mtsu grad uh, and so you know obviously um you know i think has some vested interest in in mtsu um, but from an operational standpoint to understand uh, how to best maximize um, the civilian airport that we have, I mean, Chad's a big part of that conversation, but he also has responsibilities in day-to-day -day running the airport. So I think, <coughs> excuse me, I think what we typically do, and I think it's what we have done, is hire consultants that have expertise that you know, a city manager or a council uh, may not have the expertise in to say, you know, what is normal for um, a municipal airport? Um, you, you know, what direction do we go? What options do we have? What are the pros and cons to having such a strong university presence? Because they're obviously both. Um, but the answer is, uh, you know, I, I would think we would lean very heavily on the airport director uh, as well as outside consultants. And, you know, we talked about Larry Williams. I mean, what, what does he have a value to add to the conversation that we should be thinking about? Because the reality is, uh, you know, we're not pilots. I think the mayor has, has become a pilot and he has shared that. So I think he's flying in and out of the airport, um, you know, regularly. But uh, to my knowledge, the rest of us, do not have that knowledge and expertise. So we're limited in, in what we're going to know, and so we're going to have to lean on uh, other experts to do that. I think, well, you, you pretty much said it. We have experts here. Oh, for sure. And uh, the ones that we have here, just like Larry, there's nobody better than Larry anywhere in the country, and it depends on what type of information that you want to have available for you right. to be able to make those decisions. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Ronnie Martin and Jan sitting over here taking a nap. <laughs> From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. This is Sean Downs with the Rutherford County Farm Bureau. We invite our members to help celebrate Rutherford County Farm Bureau's 100th year by joining us for our annual membership meeting Thursday, August 19th at the Lane Agri Park, 315 John Rice Boulevard. We will start serving barbecue at 5 p.m. The meeting will immediately follow. For more information, call 615-893-1213 or visit our website, rcfarmbureau.org. Adams Place Retirement Community is a part of National Healthcare Corporation. In 1971, the founder, Dr. Carl Adams, had a vision to provide higher quality healthcare for seniors. His dream was to create a campus concept that offered in-house services for residents as they age with different needs. Call 615-904-7100 and schedule a tour. Del Wamsley here. The first thing you're going to have to learn is until you stop expecting the politicians or anyone else to change your life, your life isn't gonna change. The only person who can change your life is you, but you need to know how. Turn off the pundits and turn on the passive income. Tune in to the Del Wamsley Radio Show. Listen to my show, The Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends 
and the help begins. Catch the Dell Walmsley Radio Show Monday through Saturday, 11 to noon, here on News Radio WGNS. Hey, gentlemen, it's Scott. Make your health a priority with a quick and easy health assessment at Low T Center. You know, they exclusively specialize in men's wellness and they follow strict medical guidelines for your health and safety. And they are one of the leading men's medical providers in the entire country. Low T Center has literally reinvented the doctor's visit, making it quick and easy to get all your levels checked, not just your testosterone. It all starts with an annual wellness exam where they do a comprehensive health assessment so you know all of the numbers important to your health. If you've been feeling tired, grumpy, notice weight gain and loss of muscle mass, these could all be signs of low testosterone levels, low thyroid, or even sleep apnea. Low T Center can determine the cause and help. And now they offer monitored self-inject at-home testosterone treatments for $135 a month, self-pay, or covered by most health insurance. Book your annual wellness exam today. Go to LowTCenter.com. Low T Center, reinventing men's health care. Michael DeLeon with Steered Straight Thrift Stores. It's a nonprofit thrift store. We take donations. Your donations, support, and purchases help educate youth on the choices and consequences of drugs, bullying, suicide, and other hard topics. Come into our thrift stores, 845 Middle Tennessee and 903 Mercury Boulevard. I'm telling you, you're going to find treasures and you're going to find great deals, but you're going to help us save lives. Michael DeLeon, Steered Straight. You're supporting drug education in schools. I can't emphasize enough, it's more important than ever. Now, an update from the WGNSRadio.com News Center. I'm Ron Jordan. State investigators say a dog muzzle sent to a former vaccine official was purchased on her credit card. Officials said yesterday there is no evidence to claims by Dr. Michelle Fiscus that the muzzle was sent to threaten or intimidate the former head of the state's vaccine program. Fiscus responded that she had asked the state to look into the source of the muzzle and denied buying it herself. Fiscus says her firing was political after promoting vaccinations for people ages 13 to 17. Governor Bill Lee is ensuring parents have a choice over whether their children wear masks at school. The governor signed that executive order yesterday giving parents the ability to opt their children out of mask requirements enacted by local school or health boards. The governor said yesterday that local decision-making is important, but he also said individual decision-making by a parent on issues regarding the health and well-being of their child is the most important. Meanwhile, the Tennessee National Guard is being deployed to hospitals. The Department of Health says members of the Guard will fill the bed and staffing shortages due to the rising number of COVID cases across the state. Tennessee Health Commissioner Dr. Lisa Piercy said yesterday there are capacity concerns on both pediatric side and among adults. Piercy said there were 50 children hospitalized statewide just over the weekend. It looks like booster shots are coming for the battle against the coronavirus. Health officials in the Biden administration are expected to recommend a third dose as soon as this week. They say people with moderately and severely immunocompromised systems will need to get the booster first. Local health departments across the state will be administering the additional dose option with no appointment necessary. More news on our website, WGNSRadio.com. I'm Ron Jordan reporting. News updates around the clock, when it breaks, and on demand at WGNSRadio.com. We are News Radio WGNS. Heritage South Community Credit Union is giving back to our community. During August, we are donating $50 to the school or teacher of your choice when you are approved for a loan. Combined with our great loan specials, there's never been a better time to move your loan to Heritage South. Visit our website, heritagesouth.org, to learn more. Remember, at Heritage South, we help when others won't. Only on certain loan types. Restrictions apply. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website and Alexa or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. Good neighbor weather. We'll see a few spotty showers and thunderstorms at times this afternoon with a blend of clouds and sunshine developing a high in the upper 80s. Northeast winds of 5 to 10 miles per hour. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 71. Premier Six Theater on Broad and Jackson Heights, showing all of your favorite movies. Call their hotline, 896-4100, or go seeamovie.com. Popcorn, pop fresh daily. Their movie hotline, 896-4100, or go seeamovie.com. Premier Six on Broad and Jackson Heights. 
from NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard. It's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. And welcome back with Ronnie Martin and Jan Stewart. And Jan, you are the voice of the Stewart family. <laughs> and you take care of them and make sure that uh, as we get older, we need a little bit of more of that uh, tender love and care. I try. And you, you have done really, really well. I'm so proud of you. Well, thank you. Uh, uh, well, it looks like let, let's, let, I've got a caller on the line. Let's see who and, it is. And then we'll come right back. Okay. Caller, welcome aboard with uh, Ronnie and Jan. Yeah, I want to talk to Mr. Martin about the Rover bus situation. I uh, understand they're going to move the location of it. I was just over there on Bridge Avenue, New Salem Pike. A little old hole they bought over there to put that in. The road is about four feet deep in the road, so you're going to have to pay fifty, sixty thousand dollars to level it up. Plus that's a little two lane road. And in the afternoon about four o'clock the traffic is backed all the way from Heritage Farm Dairies all the way over to uh Bridge Avenue and sometimes Old Fort Parkway. I thought they were gonna put it down there on Bridge Avenue next to the fuel station. Some people making these decisions just simply amaze me. I'll hang up and listen. Is that my cue? You got it, Ronnie. <laughs> uh, I appreciate the caller. That's out of my league. Yeah, I appreciate the caller's question. Um, so, um, Gary Whitaker has sort of led the charge for finding a relocation spot for the transportation center, mm -hmm. and the caller is correct. Um, that site is low, and so there'll have to be some fill that is brought in. Um, but I think uh, the alternative site that the caller mentioned was where currently we've got streets and roads facility operated on East Main Street where the fuel pumps are. Um, so I, I think the thinking was, um, and, the, and so there are a lot of issues there, so I'm going to kind of try to hit them all and go through it. Um, part of when you create a transit facility, um, as you have the Rover bus, uh, picking up and dropping off as you have out-of-town buses coming in. Um, why was that site chosen? Well, if, if you step up, if you step back even before why that site was chosen, one, you got to find a site that's that's large enough that you can actually build a transit facility on, which is yeah. which is challenging in this inside the city core. But to the caller's point about um, New Salem Highway being a two-lane through there and it being tight and then having Bridge Avenue being very tight. Um, obviously, there will be some roadway improvements on Bridge Avenue as a result of that uh, to make sure there's traffic, um, uh, that traffic can move. But the next phase of the um, New Salem uh, State Transportation Project is going to be um, one of those corridors from the, the interstate to Old Fort Parkway. So um, I, I can't remember if it's going to be four-lane curb and gutter, um, but I know there are going to be substantial road improvements there. Uh, that's part of the reason that site was selected, because we knew, hey, let's put the transportation center where there are some roadway improvements. Um, but, you know, the other, uh, and, and I don't know that anybody will say this, um, but I believe it to be the case, one of the other issues is <clears throat> managing um, sort of the transient population or the homeless population in the city of Murfreesboro. Um, when you have that fuel center so close to our downtown area, it's really resource rich for those people who want to panhandle and want to hang out and grab resources, mm -hmm. right? Because there's density there. And so part of the thinking too was um, that location offers some distance from the downtown core and might not make it as attractive for those people who find um, homelessness as a career, uh, and that may sound offensive to some, but if it does, you, you just don't understand the problem completely would yeah. be the argument that I would make. Um, because there are those that <clears throat> really choose that as a lifestyle. Uh, and, and, and again, 
not to get off on homelessness because there's lots of complexity and lots of layers to that. But to answer the question, we felt like that that site uh, offered the amenities of having uh, roadway improvements that were already already scheduled. It's a direct shot to the interstate out of there for buses that come in, so it keeps that traffic out of the downtown corridor or close to the downtown. It pushes the desirability from those that would turn homelessness into an occupation, which there are certainly those uh, out there. Um, and uh, but the caller is correct; that site's low and it's going to require some fill uh, to bring it up. So. I guess you weigh the, the pros and cons of that like you do anything else. How successful is Rover? See, I, I know very little about it, but I do see a lot of the buses on the road picking up people um, quite frequently. You know, it's a really important question, Truman, because the truth is there are certain routes of Rover, which, by the way, is being rebranded, so soon it will no longer be the green bus with the dog on it. It's going to be... Um, you know, Murfreesboro City Transportation. I think we got that through a grant, and we had to do that for a period of time, and so yeah. some of that's changing. But um, it's a great question in the sense that, um, like anything, we tend to not give thought to, um, at least some of us, mm -hmm. tend not to give thought to the advantages that we have of being able to go somewhere in our car. Yeah. There are absolutely people that don't have that. Um, there are, frankly, a lot of homeless uh, that ride the, um, the rover. It provides transportation circulation within the city. But there are also a lot of people that will ride the rover to go to doctor's appointments. There are elderly folks that are fearful of driving that can use the rover. There are people that use the rover that don't have vehicles to go to work. Mm -hmm. And so um, I would tell you that from a capacity standpoint, depending upon which line you're on, which rover bus, and, and the particular pattern that it travels, some are, are underutilized at the moment. Yeah. And I think anything like that, it takes time, public transportation takes time to catch on. Uh, I have ridden the rover. When I have ridden it, um, the majority of the people that were on there, it was probably 20% or less full, filled at capacity, and um, you know, um, I what, saw. What, did you feel safe on the rover? Well, that's not a great question for me. I'm not one that tends to. I live downtown, and I generally feel safe everywhere I go. Yeah. I mean, I could walk downtown at night, and I'm going to feel safe. So, yeah. but but you carry a double barrel shot. No, <laughs> yeah, I do not. I just, oh. I, you know, I, I'm not, I don't, I just don't have some of those same concerns that other, I, you know, maybe I will at some point, but I just. I'm probably too dumb to realize I should be concerned, but I think Murfreesboro is a safe place. Um, I don't feel regularly threatened. Um, you know, I think people, to go back to this homeless thing, if you're on the bus and you're dealing with a homeless person, most of the time homeless people aren't going to cause issues on a bus because they need it for reliable transportation. So yeah. they know where they can act out and where they can't act out. Normally they're not going to act out on a bus. Um, what so are yes. we doing with our homeless issue right now? Um, truthfully, a lot of times we ignore it because it's convenient to ignore. Um, it's, but that's what's happened in all these major cities where it's become a mass problem, an unbelievable problem. Yeah. And is, is there a way that, that, that uh, we can start working with that problem and finally find a, an answer for it? Truman, it's, uh, you know, it's a little unfair for me to say we ignore it because obviously we don't just ignore it. Um, yeah. I say that out of frustration. Wasn't your recreational department working with that yeah. in a lot of areas? Hey, uh, so many departments touch the homeless in Murfreesboro. Yeah. Uh, public safety touched them all the time. Parks and Rec touched them all the time. There are, probably, there are probably others that I don't even know that touch yeah. them. But um, it is... Homelessness is such an age-old and complicated issue. Yeah. Um, I think part of the reason I made that snarky comment about you know, us ignoring it is that I stay frustrated because I don't feel like we make progress. And so that kind of thing frustrates me. Yeah. Um, the reality is that the alternate argument for that is you've got tons of agencies, whether they be faith-based groups, whether they be nonprofits, United Way, Salvation Army, uh, on and on and on, that um, have good intentions, 
um, do good work, uh, greenhouse ministries. They're not really focused on homelessness, but they, they do yeah. work with some of that community. Journey Home, you know, they feed um, not only the homeless, but folks that, that do not have access to food on occasions. There's so much work being done, <clears throat> but I just don't feel like we have the coordinated effort and the communication that we need to be able to say, um, you know, I, I live in a world where it's very easy to see how my performance stacks up, right? Mm -hmm. So Bill Jones can pull a report and look at Ronnie Martin, and there's X, Y, Z numbers yeah, on that. I'll talk to you later about right? that. <laughs> and I, I either grade out as an A, B, C, D, or F, and then, you know, hopefully I'm an, an A or a B, and then he's not fussing at me about something. But, you know, when we talk about providing services, it's just so hard to really grade ourselves on that, right? Because mm -hmm. you've got, you know, group A doing this, group B doing this, group C doing this, group E doing this, and the same person is receiving some sort of service from all of these, but the circumstances hasn't changed. And, yeah. and so I don't say that to diminish the good work that's being done. I don't say that in any way whatsoever other than to emphasize that I think we have to be results-oriented in everything that we do. And it gets very easy for us to be comfortable saying, I took a meal, I took a blanket, I took a tent, I took whatever to this person, but this person is still living out by the railroad tracks. Yeah. That's frustrating to me. And I think it's frustrating to a lot of people. Um, so, you know, but the minute we can solve that will be the minute that everybody has housing, that <clears throat> people will voluntarily go into mental health. <coughs> Uh, treatment and it's available that people will you know voluntarily go into uh, drug treatment and um, everybody wants the same thing and agrees on the same thing and that ain't ever gonna happen there's such a thing as feel good you go out there and you take like you take them food or or a tin yeah. or something like that you feel good about what you're doing That's exactly right but are you doing anything for the problem nobody can do anything for it except the person themselves that's the only thing you know, it, it's just like drugs or anything else you you, you have to make a uh, a dent in what their future is going to be and nobody can do it but them caller welcome aboard we got another caller on the line hey how you doing this morning good good morning you know what we need to pray that uh that swanson guy opens up a building for these uh homeless people we've got a bed to sleep in and they don't have and a lot of people says well don't have them yeah. but if you read your bible the bible said beware you may be entertaining an angel and we're going to face god one day right we're going to face God one day. I don't care how much money you got on the face of this earth. We're going to face God. And if he wants to be down here homeless and turn him away, I'm going to see what y'all said. That's great. Thank you, caller, for the call. That's a great comment. And I think that speaks to um, one of the challenges that, that we face. So there are many faith-based groups that are serving. Um, they will provide pillows and they will provide tents um, and they'll provide meals and um, it, it gets really easy for us to feel good, like you said Truman, that hey I went and did something good for this person. Well if you get really deep into the homeless community uh, and I have I've had the benefit of doing that and yeah. so You've been in the camps. You've lost, you've lost homeless people that you were taking food to. Uh, you've lost homeless people that you were providing health care for uh, or clothing for uh, because they've been murdered in camps. And you say, you know, is there a path that solely exists just by me doing outreach based on my faith, based on how I want to serve another hu human being, um, you know, can that work alone solve the problem? Mm -hmm. And I would tell you it can't, and I wish it could. Um, but, you know, there are people that have um, drug addiction that will not seek treatment for drug addiction, and therefore providing a bed for them only provides a place for them to prolong their drug addiction. Yeah. What we have to be able to do is to intervene 
which we have freedoms in this country that allow us to intervene up to a certain point and that do not allow us to intervene up to a certain point. Um, same thing goes with mental health. Um, I would tell you a large population of our chronic homeless, they have mental health issues and either yeah. they do not want to take their medicine or you know, don't want to be told to take their medicine or, or those types of things. And um, you know, I appreciate the caller very much. I understand uh, how that feels and the desire to make that better. But in this case, in my opinion, you know, the freedoms of our country that we are so proud to have, um, in some cases, prevent us from being able to force a solution. Yeah. I agree, Ronnie. All right, Janie. Tell me about Mama and Daddy. Uh, let's, stay, let's go with Bobby first. She's recovering. So she has... She has had a problem. She has she? had a problem. But they went in last Thursday and hopefully got her ankle back in shape, and she's recovering not as quickly as she would like, but she's recovering. Yeah. Well, she's one of these ladies. She wants to be 18 again mm -hmm. and do all the things she used to do when she was young. Yep. She likes to go and do, and she's, she's struggling. Hey, were we going to do Bring Your Mom to Work today? <laughs> were we going to do that? For, that may be tomorrow. Okay. All right. Dad wants me to take her to work with me one day. So, he so what's he going to be doing? Whatever he wants to do. He feels... Well, they love being together all the time. I know I'm they surprised do. about I that. I know they do, but they, they need a little break. As long as I've known them, which is many, many years, they never argue or fuss or anything <laughs> well, like that. Well, now you're just full of crap. <laughs> <laughs> but that's normal. That's very that's normal. normal. I'm excited about putting her to work. I mean, I've got some things <laughs> she can work on. Well... Are you talking about... Bobby or Jan? Dad will forever be in your debt. Miss <laughs> Bobby, we've got, we got work. I'm going to have her do an outbound calling, trying to recruit people for Pinnacle. Oh, wow. That's a good idea. That is a good idea because she knows everybody in the community. You guys are like magnets. You have friends everywhere. And um, Larry, of course, being the principal at Laxcatch's school, he made so many friends over those particular uh, times you've got a big family because it's not just the blood family it's all the mm -hmm. other people that have become involved with you guys yeah um there's a lot of people that are like family to us and it came from a lot of it came from you know members of mom's family moved here to work at state farm go to school whatever and they lived with us kids from the school dad kind of helped out and it was just kind of like we always had other siblings other you know, we just always had a lot of people around. We Did loved you it. ever get it aggravated because there were so many additions to your family that he would uh, give time to? No, it was always somebody to play with or hang out with. or. That never bothered you mm -hmm. at all? No. You've got this um, way about you that you love to take care of people. I do. Where did, where did you get that from? Mom has always taken care of people. So That's amazing. I, think I get that from her and Dad too. Yeah, so I think I get it honest. Tell me about the the banking business. That's, that's been a big plus. That's been a big plus. It's fun. We get a lot of work done every day, and we have fun. How do you day. feel when uh, Bill called Ronnie and recruited him over to Pinnacle Bank, and his only thing was make sure that my uh, family, my family here at the bank, is taken care of at the same time. That's pretty special, isn't it? It is. Not, not, not many people think of others more than they think of their own career. But in a way, he was thinking of himself. <laughs> hey, and to clarify one thing, I called Bill just to get that straight. So Bill didn't oh, call you me. Called I Bill? called Bill? Yeah, that's correct. Okay. Yeah. I hope he's listening. Yeah. I was nervous, but I was excited at the same time because we had banked with Pinnacle a long time, and I knew, you know, what kind of bank it was, and it, I was excited to be a part of it, Yeah. even it, if I had to be with him. <laughs> That's the way she shows affection. Those are her terms of endearment. <laughs> yeah. You guys remind me of Don't my, say my people <laughs> that worked with me over at the sheriff's office. I couldn't do without them. I yeah. mean, uh, there, there's something about it that you feel so comfortable 
in their decision making and and their feelings of about family within a, a family it right. just it, it makes a big difference doesn't it yeah i think when you have the opportunity to build that bridge of trust with people that you work with where you know that um you know i i spend more time with the team i have at work than i do anybody else yeah i mean you know uh i'll get up at four i was up at 3 30 this morning and a lot of times i get home at five and i'm in bed by eight so i'm at home for about during the week um at about three hours assuming i don't have a meeting or something mm -hmm. so i mean i see my wife predominantly uh, on the weekends but wow. monday through friday you know jan and tyler and dan and misty and the folks we work with at pinnacle bank i mean that's who we spend our time with and so you know to to be fortunate enough to have a place um, that is fulfilling professionally, that you, you are challenged, um, that you, know, you work with a group of people that will challenge you to push you and make you better, mm -hmm. uh, all in service to clients um, that you know, most people, if you don't have a relationship at a bank, it's just a bank. If you don't have a person in a bank, it's just a, you know, A, B, C, D sort of thing. But to, to build those meaningful relationships with people where you get to enjoy your day job and you get to enjoy it together and you trust each other um, because you have aligned values and there's a culture that supports those values, I mean, it, it's just a really special place uh, to be. If you have a local reputation from people who live in the community of being a friend, mm -hmm. someone, if you get into some type of trouble or whatever, they're going to reach out to you and make a difference in your life. Yeah. That's what you've got over there. And and Bill knew what he was doing by bringing the, the type of people that that you have that type of relationship with really makes a bank successful. I've always felt like the bank is kind of like the heart of the community and when they're willing to reach out to you, and it's not just a money thing, right. it makes a bigger difference, doesn't it? It, it does, and I think Bill, um, you know, would, would give appropriate credit to, you know, people like Ed Lowry and Ronnie Knight that, you know, were at Calvary and helped build that institution and, and those people that are there. And, you know, Jan and the rest of our team, we kid about it all the time. Uh, we've been at Pinnacle now uh, 20 months ish Gosh, um, it doesn't seem that long ago which feels like sort of a long time yeah you know, i mean we feel pretty settled in now and there's still plenty of things we're we're learning about that system and that bank which you know continue to be very impressive and and help grow and challenge us as professionals but yeah. you know the thing that's really special about pinnacle is um we're the we're the kid we're the new kids we're still yeah. the new kids and we've been there for 18 months and we're still the babies right because yeah. everybody there has been there for 15 or 20 years and when you think about the type of leadership and culture that you have to craft um, to keep people one at a place of employment for that long but to keep them happy and engaged uh, and proud of where they work it's just really special hmm. you know I had uh Andrea Lowry on the show last week. Okay. And uh, she she brings back a lot of memories uh, coming in as far as going all the way back. We're talking about Calvary and right. all of that. And, of course, she, she had her own company. But she made me so uncomfortable because I was sitting here with my shorts on and all that. She like like I, 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 I usually dress up <laughs> real well. And, and she was just like she came out of a fashion show. I mean, just absolutely gorgeous. But she she um, she has that, that way about her. She reaches out to the community, mm -hmm. all especially the arts and th things like that. And um, we're so blessed to have those type of people that are influencing our lives. And we're not all alike. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, I'm probably the sorriest person in the whole county my dress everybody what what, what do you think about it uh jan listen i orange is not in my color wheel and you wear it all the time that's my only complaint i mean do you have some blue do you remember the old archie comic books where there's a guy by the name of jughead in them 
and every one of his closets was full of the same clothes. Is that what he could wear like? the same one? That's exactly what my <laughs> closets look like. When you're having to take care of yourself, you you you're not uh, very responsible when it comes to clothes. And we talked like earlier that. about being consistent. Yeah, I am consistent. consistent. I am consistent. Well, is there anything new going on as far as the bank is concerned or the city? Well, there's something going on with the city all the time. Yeah, I think um, I had a conversation this morning with a client uh, and really encouraged him to begin his uh, PPP round two loan forgiveness. So uh, for, for listeners that may not know, your PPP loans, you had two different rounds of PPP lending. You had the yeah. initial, and then there was another round. Well, for anyone that received a round one PPP loan. This is for small businesses. These mostly. are for small businesses. Yeah. Uh, the time has come for you to seek forgiveness for your loan, which means the government will pay your loan off, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a free loan if you meet the qualifications. Well, around August 1st, uh, for most people, that was the end of your coverage period, and that was when you had to file for forgiveness. So we're in that phase. If you have not applied for your PPP loan forgiveness, you need to do that. All of our clients that we did, uh, they've all been forgiven, round one, uh, so we've taken care of that. Mm -hmm. But now you need to start thinking about round two, and so I've started reaching out to people to encourage them to do that. Um, I'd much rather my clients be on the front end of forgiveness rather than being at the very tail end of forgiveness. And some of them are cooperative, and some of them have better things to do than, than to do that. So uh, we have to keep pushing them and remind them of it. A lot of them... All right, let's take, uh, well, it's not just restaurants. It seems to be across the board. Right. But a lot of them are having trouble getting their workers back. Absolutely. Because they're still receiving monies. Absolutely. And that's become a real problem, hasn't it? It has. And, it, and you mentioned the restaurant business. I know it's an issue there, but I think it's an issue in all small business. Mm -hmm. um, you know, people have very high expectations when it comes to compensation. Uh, they have very low expect in in some cases they have very low expectations when it comes to performance mm -hmm. uh, and you know I, I can't tell you the number of stories and clients that we talk to that they do a posting and either they have zero people apply or they have 20 people apply and when they are supposed to show up for their interview nobody comes mm -hmm. and it's just you know finding uh, good people that want to work uh, that you know that are what I would call generationally hard workers that uh, appreciate the value of being a part of something like we were talking about at Pinnacle Bank and you know doing their piece to fit into the group. Um, I don't think we're in a place right now. Maybe because of COVID. Maybe it's generational. Um, maybe it's because of the stimulus. I, I I don't profess to know the exact answer. Um, but you just don't run across as many people um, that are interested in going to work and working for the benefit of working. You know, how it makes you feel about yourself, the sense of growing and accomplishment and earning a fair wage. I just, I don't see as much of that in the younger generation as I saw in my generation or your generation. Well, we weren't brought up that way. You had really no self-confidence or, or self-worth, you might say, Right. If you're having to depend on somebody to give you things, yep. you want to earn them. And that's that's what this country was built on. And I've had so many owners of small businesses ask me to pray for them and other people to pray for them. Right. Because no one is coming back uh, th that were probably loyal uh, uh, workers right. at, at one time. It seems like that giving giving things away. Now I know that a lot of these small businesses had to have that money sure. coming in, right. but they're responsible for paying it back also. But right. but then you get into the situation where their workers don't want to work, so they're just caught in a, in, a, in a in a terrible situation, you might say. Absolutely. So and I know it's hard on you because. Uh, you guys at Pinnacle, I know you guys had a hundred percent participation, giving back, given. No one asked for a uh, uh, a loan that that you did not 
cooperate with them. Nobody did. No, that's right. In our group, with the ones we processed, and, you know, it, it's funny, um, I can tell you in the middle of that storm when we were doing that, it sure didn't seem like that was going to work out the way it worked out because we didn't know what we were doing. We were kind of figuring it out on the fly and doing the best we can, and you're managing the emotions of your client from the standpoint that, you know, they're fearful this money's going to run out, and it yeah. did run out, and then, of course, it was refunded. And then Managing there my emotions. <laughs> there was a lot that went into that. Yeah. Well, and... Managing and your emotions. It was tough. Yeah, daily. It's pretty I tough. wouldn't want to be around <laughs> managing your emotions. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, you know, it's, I think it worked out. Uh, for those that we were fortunate enough to serve, I think it worked out well, and um, I'm very proud of the work we did there. Yeah, I, I can honestly say that um, you guys did a tremendous job through all of that, and uh, with all the negative things the uh, the press and everybody else seems to still be putting about about the virus. Uh, Janie and I were talking before we went on the air, and I saw a. Um, uh, clip uh, of a uh, school board meeting in Mount Vernon, Indiana, of all <laughs> places, and uh, there was an expert, uh, a scientific expert on medicine, who uh, basically was saying that the information that their CDC and all the other supposedly experts uh, have been putting out is incorrect, and that what are you looking at? Nothing. <laughs> okay. Um, that uh, they're wrong. And he, he, he pointed out a bunch of uh, things that were going on as far as the mass and, and the virus uh, and that the way that we're treating the virus is actually making it worse. Mm -hmm. And I was very interested in what he was saying because... Uh, I've never been, I, I'm not even going to get to my opinion because it, it's not a scientific opinion. <laughs> he made some but good it, points. He made some I'll really it, good points and said that he would be a um, professional witness if any of them are sued or whatever. So, For free. Yeah. And so no charge. That's that's where we are in today's world. He may get 10,000 calls. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Today. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right, Ronnie, Dan, enjoyed having you on as usual. Thanks, Truman. A lot of fun and very informative. All right, guys, we'll see you in the morning at night. From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450 and streaming at WGNSRadio.com.